All right, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one. And if this one doesn't work out, we'll come back and do the other one. Uh, title of this is The Power of the Lord is Present to Heal. The Power of the Lord is Present to Heal, Luke 5, 17. And listen, I just believe the Lord is in this, but I have no feeling one way or another. But I want you to know that faith is not about feeling. Faith is about trust that God's Word is true, that what God says is true. That being the case, if the Lord is, is really leading me to teach this tonight, I believe He is, then I'm having an expectation that when we go at the end to pray that we're going to see some people healed today. Amen? Okay, Luke five seventeen through 26. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. This is New King James. Behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went on the housetop, let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, by the way, that's the word of knowledge, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is as easier to say, your sins are forgiven, you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. And immediately he rose before them, rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. How many of you would like to see some strange things today? Amen? All right. So in this passage, the Lord is teaching in a house where many people were surrounding him, soaking up the word that he was imparting to them. In the middle of this environment, a lame man is brought by a team of people, and right in the middle of this Bible study, this man receives forgiveness of sins, and the complete restoration of his body. Now, I want to look at this passage today and see what we can learn from it that can help us to receive just as this man was able to. So first point we're going to look at, and there's nothing um, astounding about this message. There's nothing theologically deep about this message. But, you know, the simplicity of the word is powerful, right? You know, in a little plain, little old seed, there is a tree, but there's more than a tree, there's actually a forest. Not much to look at, but it's amazing what can be found inside of it, all right? So the power of the Lord, first thing we want to look at, was present, emphasis on the word present. Luke five seventeen. it happened on a certain day as he was teaching. There were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who'd come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was Present. Now, I know there's more to the verse, but I want to, I want to tackle a little bit at a time. So I want to focus on the first part of this verse that says the power of the Lord was present. The Scripture says that the power of the Lord was, again, present. What we're talking about and what we need to look at when we're talking about uh, power is the root word of that word power is 
the Greek word dunamis. And that's important for us to understand because it's the word that we get our English word dynamite from. Dynamite is a substance that is filled with power. When this power is activated, the power that is latent within it is unleashed. Here it says that the power of God was present. How so? Well, uh, there's a couple of ways that the power of the Lord was present. Don't, you know, don't, don't make too much of this, but let's just realize here that, first of all, the power is present in the Word. Jesus is teaching, in the, word, teaching the Word, but Jesus is the Word, right? Romans 1, 16 and 17, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Now, I, th I think, and I, I teach, taught on this verse quite a few times, but uh, and many of y'all know, but it's good to reinforce that we oftentimes read this as, uh, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is powerful. Now, it is powerful, but that's not what this verse says. It says it is the power of God. It's power and power. Power is powerful, but powerful is an adjective, and power is a noun. Is it correct? Right? So, it is the power of God for what? For the salvation of everyone who believes. Power to, as we said before, to heal, to make whole. Every debility, every uh, lack everything that we can struggle with, every need that we have is contained in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For those who believe, if we have faith, if we believe what God's word teaches, if we, the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge, if we begin to, in, in, to uh, enlighten ourselves to what the Bible teaches about the promises of God, all the promises of God are yes and we come into agreement with the promises of God by learning how to say amen to what God is revealing to us about what he's made available to us. And then we begin to walk out those promises in our life. The word of God has the power within it to bring healing and wholeness to every dimension of our lives. I've already said that, but it bears repeating. John 1 and 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth i just want you to see that the word of god is uh, uh the the power is in the word of god and the power is present here in this place in this passage where jesus is teaching right hebrews 4 and 12 says the word of god is living and powerful in this particular case it says powerful and sharper than any two a sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Luke 1, 34 through 37. And this may seem like I'm going on a tangent, but I'll bring it around. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? He said to her, you're going you're gonna to bear a child. And she said, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow, overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old, in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Here's the key verse I want you to focus on. For with God nothing will be impossible. All right? So... That's the way it's translated, but that's really not the way it's written in Greek. In Greek, it's written this way. 
it, it says, not without power from God every rhema. Not without power from God every word. Now, they translate it as uh, 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 nothing is impossible with God. But I think another way you could translate it, Amplified translates it this, this way, for with God nothing is ever impossible and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Right? I like to say it this way. Every word of God contains within it the power to bring itself to pass. How is this possible? Every word of God contains within it the power to bring itself to pass. So Mary, this isn't about you. It's about the word of God that's been given. How is this going to happen? The word of God has the power to bring itself to pass. It behooves us to know what the Word of God is, right? Because in the Word of God is the power of God to bring itself to completion. Well, what did Mary have to do? Let it be done, as you have said. She had to come into agreement with the Word. She had to place her faith in God and what God was revealing to her. Am I making sense to you? Okay, so let's move to the second. So the power is present in the Word, but the power is also present in the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.22, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon who? Jesus. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. In, immediately after that, in Luke 4, verse 1, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, you, they will go into the temptations, but that's not what I want to focus on. They're going to go down to verse 14 of that same chapter, Luke 4, 14 and 15. It says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So, remember, Jesus now, later on, is in this house teaching a group of people Jesus is teaching the Word. Jesus is the Word. The Spirit of God is upon him, baptized, but he also came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. The power of the Lord is present. Am I making sense? All right. So to recap, we've looked at the power of God and the fact that the power of God was present. So that brings us to the second point. Second point is the power of the Lord was present to heal. All right, Luke 5, 17, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Luke 4, 16 through 21, the Bible says, When he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, uh, as, as, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here in Nazareth, Jesus was saying to them that the Spirit of God was upon him. That is, he was anointed by the Spirit of God to bring liberty and freedom to the captives and to the oppressed. The Word of God and the Spirit of God were working in partnership in Christ to bring healing to the people. 
Now listen, when I'm talking about healing, I'm talking about every dimension, spirit, soul, body. So I'm not just talking about bodily healing. Yes, we're talking about salvation of the soul. Uh, uh, we're talking about healing of the body. We're talking about healing of the mind. We're talking about all of it. In Christ, right, the Word of God, He is the Word of God, and the Spirit of God, we're working in partnership to bring healing wholeness to the people. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now let's look at a few instances preceding our text in Luke and how the power of God in Christ was healing the people around him. Luke 4, 35-37, Jesus rebuked the man, saying, Be quiet, and come, uh, rebuked the demon, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits. And they came out, and the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. By the way, in other places in the Scriptures, it talks about those that, uh, uh, that have been uh, set free from demonic, uh, uh, you can call it demonization, let's just use that word from demonization. The Bible considers them to be healed. They were healed. They were made whole, right? Isn't that what the, the power of God in the gospel was set forth to do to set people free, to make them whole? Salvation means wholeness. Now, this is all in Luke chapter 4. Uh, uh, the, this, all, this, all this that we're looking at here is immediately prior to the man that was healed in the house. So Luke chapter 4, 38 through 41, he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's, wife and mother, Simon's wife's mother, whoever wrote that, needs uh, Grammarly. Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of Jesus concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Another way of saying this is, and he healed them all. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ the Son of God, and he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew he was the Christ. By the way, these same ones are the ones that Jesus had laid hands on and healed them. So I just want to prove to you that demon getting rid of people's afflictions, whether it be uh, diseases or whether it be demonization, that is considered healing the man, healing the woman, healing the person, making them whole. Luke 5, 12 through 13, same previous chapter to where we're at. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man was full of leprosy, saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, and I thought this was so important for us to understand because most of us believe that God can. We just don't know if God will. And I, I know this is not, I would never write this in a systematic theology, but preaching, it works. Jesus, in the Old Testament, the, God 
uh, had names for himself, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nitzi, Jehovah Roe, Jehovah uh, 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 Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu. What those mean is, I am the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord, your righteousness. I am the Lord, your provider. The Jehovah is, uh, I mean, the um, uh, Jehovah part is, I am the Lord, and then whatever on, on, on the end of it. But the name of God was Yahweh, which is where we get the word Jehovah from, is I am. Not I was, not I will be, I am. I'm ever-present, I'm all-encompassing, I am. Right? That's the, the English, the way we translate it, in English, the way we would understand that. So to me... Even though, like I said, I would never create a theology out of this, but to me, I kind of read this as that you know me as Jehovah Rapha, you know me as Jehovah Sitkanu, you know me as Jehovah uh, Jireh, I want you to know me as Jehovah Willing. I am willing. See, can you back that up? For all the promises of God are yes. Are you willing? All the promises of God are yes. I'm always willing. That's Rick interpretation. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him. So let's come to the third point. So we looked at the power of the Lord was present. We looked at the power of the Lord was present to heal. Now I want to look at how the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Again, as he was sitting by, um, the power of the Lord, uh, it happened on certain days he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who'd come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who's them? All these people that were present. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Some versions translate this verse as the power of the Lord was with him to heal But in this one particular translation, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. This makes a huge difference in how the Scripture applies to us, in my opinion. If we go with the first translation, it implies that sometimes the power of God is present to heal and sometimes it's not. However, if we go with the second, then the power of God was always present to heal them. This fosters two important questions. First, who is them? And second, why didn't they accept it for themselves. I want to embrace the second translation because I believe that healing is in the atonement. Somebody, I heard somebody talk about the scripture. Uh, um, uh, Surely he carried our griefs and bore our sorrows is really, according to Matthew, to be interpreted this way. Surely he carried our sicknesses and he bore our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Psalms 103, who forgives all our iniquities, and he heals all our diseases. When did that take place? I believe it took place at the cross of Calvary. Healing is in the atonement. My personal belief. You'll have other theologians that disagree, but they're not teaching tonight. I'm teaching tonight. I believe it's in the atonement, right? So uh, in Christ, the power of God is present to heal because he is the healer, and he is present. 
Exodus 15, 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Yes, he was talking to the Israelites that had just come out of Egypt, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am, remember, ever-present. There's no past, there's no future. I am. What is your name? He's telling us, he's revealing to himself who he is, an aspect, a dynamic of his nature through his name. I am the Lord, your healer. Jesus is the exact representation of his nature, of his being. When you see Jesus, you see God. He is God, but he's the visible manifestation. He is the, uh, uh, the exegesis of God. He's God present. What does God look like? Like that. What does God act like? Like that. Matthew eight sixteen through 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all. That little word all can just be included there, or you can emphasize it. And he healed all. Who were the all who were sick? What did he do? What happens when he healed all? He made them whole that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities, our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. When did he do that? At the cross of Calvary. So back to our text. As to the first question, the ones referred to as them were those who were sitting in and outside the house listening to Jesus teach. There were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Now, why were these people, this is the second question that I had posed, why weren't they receiving the power present for healing for themselves? Because that's probably not what they were looking for. They were looking for a good word or maybe a bad word trying to find a way to, to accuse him. They were looking for a good message, a good sermon, but they weren't looking for healing, even though healing was present. You can come to service, listen to a message, be tickled by the Spirit of God, go home, learn something up here, but go home in the same condition you came in because you didn't come seeking for the power of God. You came seeking simply for a good word. Now, there's, there's something to be said about having a good word. But everywhere that there was a good word, there was a demonstration of what that word was about. There's power in the word. I want us to come to church. I want us to gather but not just here, anywhere where two or three are gathered in his name, there is in the midst of them with the understanding and with the idea that God is present to heal them. And we are them. He's present. Word of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God lives inside of you. For those of you that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God has come upon you. 
Jesus lives inside of you. Jesus is the Word of God. Word of God is present. Anywhere you are, you can either just have a good word, a good knowledge of Scripture, which is good. I want you to have that. But faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith for what? Faith for the application of what you're learning. Everywhere Jesus went, he taught, and he did. He demonstrated that the Word of God is power. And who received it? Those who were willing to receive it. Those who were looking to receive it. You can sit around and you can listen and never move into it. Never press into it. There is something about faith. There were two blind men. I don't have that. There were two blind men in the notes. I'm talking to them. Um, there were two blind men that heard Jesus was passing by. Not the same one I was talking about before. And they were crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. The Bible says he kept on walking. Now, you have to look at it and kind of imagine yourself in that situation because it's very short uh, talk about what happened there. But bottom line is he kept on walking. But guess who followed him? The blind man. It doesn't say how far he was away from the house that he finally got to. But when he got to the house... He turned around, and guess who was there? The blind man. Now, it could have been 100 yards. It could have been five kilometers. We don't know. But I do know this. It's not easy for a blind man to walk around. It's not easy for a blind man to follow somebody because, as I said before, and you have a, a, a condition, you pretty much map out how you're going to go. They wanted Jesus so badly, I'm sure they left their accustomed route. I'm sure they left their markers behind. All they wanted to do was get to Jesus. It didn't matter where Jesus went, they were going to go. It was not easy for a blind man to follow, but they did. And the Bible says, when he turned around, they were there. What do you want me to do for you? We want to see. Let it be done according to your faith. You know, I, we, there's, there's not a problem with this. I'm not in any way saying there's a problem with this. At the end of the services, we always invite people to come up that need prayer, want prayer. We want to believe God with you. It's astounding to me how few people in, what's the right word for um, trying to find the right word for this. Um, with the amount of needs there are in the congregation, it surprises me how few people take advantage of that. Now, maybe you got somewhere to go. Maybe you got tired of getting prayed for. Maybe uh, you don't want to get your hopes up. Maybe it's not that important to you. Maybe you're used to where you're at. Maybe you want to get in a good line at Luby's. You know, I don't know. But I know that the blind man didn't think that way. They needed to get to Jesus. 
and they were going to do whatever they could to get his attention, to get before him. They couldn't heal themselves, but they knew Jesus could heal them. If I can just touch, I'm switching, I'm switching passages. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll press through the crowd. I'll do what I'm not supposed to do. I'm going to get close to him and touch the hem of his garment. And when she touched the hem of his garment, the Bible says virtue came out of him and healed her. She knew it. She didn't want anybody to know, but Jesus knew. Who touched me? The disciples, everybody's touching you. You can be all around Jesus. You can touch Jesus and never experience the power of God in your life. Because you've got to do more than be around him. You've got to touch him by faith. Are you hear what I'm saying? Virtue. Who touched me? She didn't want anybody to know. But finally she realized, man, I better say something. And he said, woman, uh, that's exactly how he say it. He didn't say, let it be done according to your faith. He said it. Your faith has made you whole. Now, again, we don't want anybody to feel like that they have a lack of faith, but we want you to be encouraged about people that have great faith. And we want to inspire you to be the same. Well, I got prayed for once. It's not faith to be prayed for again. Where did you get that idea? I'm going to get prayed for every time I can. How often are you going to get prayed for till I get healed? Right? Isn't that, isn't that what happened with Elijah when he got a prophetic word? It's going to rain. Praise the Lord, it's going to rain. I'm going to go sit in my recliner, watch Survivor. Because I'm a survivor. I survived the famine. Is that what he did? No, he got a prophetic word. You know what he did? He went up on a mountain. And he prayed it out. God told me it's going to rain. So I'm going to pray till I see the rain. God told me I'm, I'm healed and I'm whole. So I'm going to pray until I see the manifestation of that healing. How often did he pray? Elijah prayed seven times. Now, we have a problem. You know, we, we go one, two, three. We don't realize that oftentimes in the Bible uses um, figurative language, uh, uses numbers mean something. So it's not just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. How long did he pray? The number seven is the number of completion. He prayed until it was complete. How did he know it was complete? When he saw the manifestation of rain. He didn't have to see a full manifestation. He just began to see something. He didn't see anything. He sent his servant up there while he was praying. And by the way, the position that he was in, he was lay, sitting down with his head between the knees, has been uh, uh, um, said to be the birthing position that people would take when they gave birth to babies. He said, God gave me a word. I'm going to birth it. I'm going to let God use me to birth his word into manifestation. And by the way, an aside here, when God told David that David wanted to build God a house, and God said, no, you're not going to build me a house, but I'm going to build you a house. David said, didn't say, thank you very much. No, David took a whole chapter to pray, God, what you promised me, do. You have to partner with God. You have to partner with his word. You have to believe God. You have to pray it out. 
you're not doing the work. You're just partnering with God that the work that he already did would manifest in your life. Or you're going to say the power is in the word. Faith opens the door for the word of God to enter into Sometimes faith has to persevere. So how long did Elijah pray? Seven times. Seven is the number of completion until he saw a, a cloud in the sky about the size of a man's hand. He says, okay, it's coming. We better get going. How long do I pray? Until you begin to see a manifestation or until the Lord says, it's enough. You've prayed enough. It's done. Right? And to me, that's a manifestation. The Lord speaks to you. It's done. But we live in a very instant society. We live in a very, uh, um, you know, as I said before, we go uh, to the drive-thru to get our food, and if it's not out in three minutes, we leave the line and go to another drive-thru down the road and take 15 minutes to get over there so I can get in three minutes. Society we live in. Instant, instant, instant. But God's not an instant God. But his word is true. And God is faithful. There's a guy named John G. Lake said, listen, the Bible says your word is like medicine to my flesh. He had a very uh, interesting and very insightful understanding of what happens when we receive prayer, when we believe God, come up to the front, get prayed for. He said, it's kind of like, um, like the woman who had virtue. When you get prayed for, virtue is released into your body. We have to believe that, all right? But it's like medication. You don't know how much virtue was released into your body. Is it a small dose, larger dose, a complete dose? I just got through taking some medication. I got, I got uh, uh, 21 pills that you take over a period of seven days, right? So the, the medication is not complete until you take all 21 pills, so three times a day, I've got to go over there, and I've got to take this pill morning, afternoon, and night. How long you got to do that? Until it's complete. Now, some antibiotics are the same antibiotics, but they come in stronger doses. So you don't have to take as many of doses, but you still got to complete the, 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 the what do you call it, the, the course. So... We, the, here's the thing, though. We don't know how long the course is. We don't know what the dosage is. We also don't know how much of what we're getting our body is absorbing. So what do you do? You keep going up and getting the treatment. What is the treatment? Prayer. As we pray, we believe that God is touching you. How long do I get prayed for? Until I begin to see a change in my situation. I never saw it that way. That's why I'm preaching. So you can see it differently. It's not a lack of faith to get prayed for again and again. Now you can get prayed for without faith, and that's not going to do anything for you. But you can get prayed for again and again with faith. And you may find that over a process of time, it may not happen immediately, but I'm believing that for many of us it will happen immediately. But you'll find that over a process of time, uh, many of you will start to find yourself getting better and better and better and better and better. Why? Because we're continuing by faith to believe that God's will is that we would be made whole and we're going to do what he said in his word until we see the full manifestation of it.
you will receive what you can believe. Why didn't they all receive? Because that's not what they were there for. But there was one man in a very perilous situation. Uh, that's not, probably not the right word. A uh, uh, distraughtful situation. But for some reason, he knew that if he can get to Jesus, something would change. So he gets to the service, and the service is full. So he goes to the overflow room, and the overflow room is full. Well, it must not be God's will for me. Must not, must not be my time. I guess I, didn't, I just got my hopes up for nothing. No, that's not what he did. They went up on the roof, began to tear open the roof, and dropped him down in front of Jesus. And Jesus, being the religious man that he is, began to chastise him for what he did. No. Jesus said, wow, when he saw their faith. Isn't that amazing? So even though the power of the Lord was present to heal them, the only one that got healed was one. My point is, they could have all got healed. What did they have to do? Just believe. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God, power of salvation, I'm going to start from the beginning. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the power of God unto the salvation of those who believe. For everyone who believes. Every one of us is an everyone. And every one of us has the opportunity to believe. What do I believe in? Don't believe in this preacher. I can tell you what I can do. Nothing. But when Jesus decides to ride this preacher like he rode the donkey, it makes me look good, but it's not me. It's Jesus. And the good news is Jesus lives inside of every one of us. And he's here tonight. Where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. All you got to do is believe. In Christ, the power of God is present, was present to forgive, save, heal, deliver those who were in his presence. What we see is that the ones who received were the ones who recognized, believed, and pressed in to receive what was present with him, upon him, for them to partake of by faith. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So the Lord's in this place tonight.